0: Story 7 of St. Andrew's Ghost Stories by William Thomas Linskill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story 7 The Monk of St. Rule's Tower. Some years ago, I was perfectly surrounded with crowds of bonny children in the St. Albans Holborn district of London. I fancy they belonged to some guild or other, and they enacted the part of imps, fairies, statues, and so forth in various pantomimes in neighboring theatres. I had been invited there to amuse the kiddies with songs and imitations, and now they were all shrieking and yelling at the top of their voices for a ghost story. It's getting near Christmas, they all shouted, and we all want to hear about ghosts, real creepy ghosts. I pointed out the fact that most ghost stories were bunkum, and that such tales were very apt to keep wee laddies and lassies awake at night, but bless you, they wouldn't listen to that one bit they wanted ghosts and ghosts they would have well in about an hour i had yarned off most of my best bogey stories i had used up most of my tales regarding scottish english and continental castles and the banshees water kelpies rays and so forth connected therewith but still those children like oliver twist demanded more i really was fairly stumped when all of a sudden my mind flew back to eighteen seventy five when a strange story was told me by captain chester in the Corsal grounds at beautiful baden-baden i first fell in with this dear old warrior in rome and we became firm friends and travelled together for many cheery weeks he told me his queer tale in the very strongest of military language which i must omit The language would be suitable to use in bunkers but not on paper it was a sultry day and so were his remarks it would seem that many years before he had visited scotland and england to try and see a ghost or two he had been to cumnorhurst in order to investigate the appearances of ill-fated amy he went to Raynham Hall to interview the famous brown lady, and he journeyed to Hampton Court to hear the shrieking ghost, and also went to Church Strelton to see if he could fix the ghost at the copper hole. In Scotland he followed the scent of various ghosts, and finally landed in St. Andrews. "'By Jove, sir,' he said, "'that's the place for ghosts. Every blessed corner is full of them, bang, full.' look at those fellows in the castle dungeons and beaten and sharp and the men that got hanged and burned and the old dev i mean witches i saw my ghost there years and years ago i took an old house in st andrews which was a small place then very little golf was played and there was very little to do but gad sir the ghosts were thick and the quaint old bodies in the town were full of them they could spin yarns for hours about phantom coaches death-knells corpse candles people going about in winding-sheets phantom hearses and lord knows what else i loved it it took me quite back to the middle ages so i told these children captain chester's tale as nearly as possible in his own words minus the forcible epithets i managed to hit off his voice and manner and this in particular seemed to amuse the bairns egad sir he said it was a curious time of all the tales i heard the one that pleased and fascinated me most was the legend of the monk that looks over st regulus's tower on moonlit nights i went thither every night and constantly fancied i saw a figure peering over the edge but was not certain then i got hold of a very old man who related to me the old legend it seems that years ago there was a good prior of st andrew's named robert de montrose he ruled well gently and wisely but among the monks there was one who was always in hot water and whom prior robert had often to haul over the coals he played practical jokes often absented himself from the daily and nightly offices of holy kirk and otherwise upset the rules and discipline finally when earl douglas and his retinue came to st andrews to present to the cathedral a costly statue long known as the douglas lady this monk made desperate love to one of the waiting women of lady douglas for this he was imprisoned in the priory dungeon for some days it was the custom of robert de montrose almost every fine night to ascend the tower of saint rule and admire the view the summit was reached in those days by means of ladders and wooden landings not as it is now by a stair in those days too the apse and part of the nave were still standing and the summit of the solemn old tower was crowned by a small spire one evening just before yule-tide when the prior as usual was on the top of the tower the contumacious monk slyly followed him up the ladders stabbed him in the back with a small dagger and flung him over the north side of the old tower i thought captain chester i said that the murder took place on the dormitory stairs gadzooks and odd bodkins sir i am telling you what i was told and what i can prove sir all right i replied please fire away well continued chester they told me the prior had often been seen since peeping over the tower and at times he was seen to fall as he did years ago from the summit by the by, his assassin was starved to death and buried in some old midden one moonlight night as my brother and i were standing on the kirk hill to our horror and amazement we saw a figure appear suddenly on the top of the tower leap on to the parapet and deliberately jump over zounds sir my blood ran cold we did not hesitate long but climbed the low wall of the cathedral it was easily done in those days and we were young and active and hurried to the grim old tower just as we neared it a monk passed us in the augustinian habit his cowl was thrown back and for just one second we had a view of his pallid handsome face and keen penetrating eyes then he disappeared as suddenly as he had appeared we were alone in the moonlight nothing stirring that is very odd i said zooks sir i have odder things still to tell you we went home to the old house had supper and retired to bed thoughtfully i woke about two a m the blinds were up and it was as clear as day with the moonlight imagine my blank astonishment when i clearly perceived leaning up against the mantelpiece the pallid monk i had seen a few hours before near the square tower he leaned on his elbow and was gazing intently at me while in his hand he held some object that had a blue glitter in the moonbeams he smiled fear not brother he said i am prior robert of montrose who quitted this earth many years since and of whom you have been talking and thinking so much of late days i saw you to-night in our cruelly ruined abbey kirk alas alas but i come from yaunt the distant hills and have far to go to-night what do you want holy father i said and what of your murder that is forgiven and forgotten long sin he said and i love to revisit at times my old haunts and so does he you have in your regiment methinks one named montrose a zion of our family yes i said i know bob montrose well see you this dagger i hold said prior robert it was with this i lost my life on this earth many years since, in the tower of blessed st they buried it with me in my stone kist i will leave it here with you to give to my kinsman for it will prove of use to him ere he pass hence mark my words he raised his hand as in an act of blessing and melted away i fell back in a sleep or in a faint WHEN I WOKE THE MORNING SUN WAS STREAMING INTO MY BEDROOM. AT FIRST I THOUGHT I HAD EATEN TOO MUCH SUPPER AND HAD A NIGHTMARE, BUT THERE ON THE TABLE BY MY BED LAY AN OLD DAGGER OF CURIOUS WORKMANSHIP, THE DAGGER THAT SLEW THE PRIOR YEARS AND YEARS AGO. I FAITHFULLY FULFILLED MY VOW, AND MY FRIEND, MAJOR BOB MONTROSE, HAS NOW GOT HIS MONKISH ANCESTOR'S DAGGER that's all captain chester told me dear children good-bye don't forget me and do not forget old st andrew's ghosts the tower of st rule and the spectre of prior robert of montrose then a modern hansom whirled me away to king's cross end of story seven story eight related by captain chester in my travels i have met many very extraordinary and remarkable people with hobbies and fads of various kinds but i never met a man of such curious personality as this old friend of mine captain chester all his methods and ideas were purely original every one has some hobby his hobby was ghost and spook hunting we were sitting one lovely september evening in the gardens of one of the hotels at bonn which stretched down to the river rhine listening to the band and watching the great rafts coming down the river from the black forest by jove sir said the old man i have shot big game in the rockies and hunted tigers and all that sort of thing but zooks sir i prefer hunting ghosts any day that robert de montrose was the first i saw there are shoals of these shades about, a perfect army of them everywhere, especially in St. Andrews. Gad, sir, you should hear the banshees shrieking at night in the Irish bogs. I don't believe in your infernal sea serpents, but I've seen water-kelpies in the Scottish and American lakes. I told him I had never heard a banshee or even a water kelpie. Very likely, sir, very probable. Everyone can't see and hear these things. I can.' I told him I had never seen a disembodied spirit and didn't want to. Gadzooks, sir, I consider disinspirited bodies far worse. They are quite common. I allude to human bodies that have lost their spirits or souls and yet go about among us. Zounds, sir, my cousin is one of them. Ah, he continued, detached personality is a curious thing. I can detach my personality. Can you? most certainly not i said what the deuce do you mean mean he said i mean my spirit can float out of my body at will my spirit becomes a sort of mental balloon i can then defy destiny how in thunder do you manage to do it anyway by practice sir of course when my spirit floats out of my body i can see my own old body sitting in my armchair, and an ugly old wreck of a body it is it is bad for one i admit it is very weakening another thing may happen another wandering spirit may suddenly take possession of one's body and then one's own spirit can't get back again and it becomes a wandering spirit and is always trying to force itself into other people's bodies then one's spirit gets into a mental bunker see i don't see a bit it is most unpleasant tell me about ghosts you have seen and about that dagger you gave major montrose oh so then you are not interested in eliminated personality not a bit i said i don't know what it is tell me about that dagger for a change Ah, well the dagger robert montrose gave me proved of great use to my old friend bob montrose on many occasions it had a wonderful power of its own once he got into a broil with a lot of spanish fellows one night and as he was unarmed at the time he was in a remarkably tight corner suddenly something slipped into his hand and by jove sir it was the dagger and that dagger saved his life another time he found himself in an american train with a raving lunatic and if it had not been for the protecting dagger he'd have been torn limb from limb after that he took it everywhere with him where is it now well there's an odd thing if you like bob died in the isle of france where paul and virginia used to be he was killed by a fall and is buried there he left the dagger to me in his will but no human eyes have ever seen that dagger since his death it may have been stolen or it may have gone back to where it came from into robert of montrose's stone-kist in the old chapter-house at st andrew's cathedral probably its usefulness was at an end and it was needed no more bob told me one queer thing about that dagger once a year near christmastide the dagger hung on the wall of his bedroom it used to exude a thick reddish fluid like blood which used to cover the blade in large drops and it remained so for several hours and again sometimes at night it used to shine with a bright light of its own that is indeed wonderful i said lighting another cheroot but tell me more about the st andrews boggles astral bodies dual personality and things of that kind depress me a bit well that is odd said old chester i love them when i was in st andrews i rented a fine old house with huge thick walls big fireplaces funny corkscrewed stairs such rum holes and corners and big vaulted kitchens it's all pulled down now i believe and a brand new house built but i hear the vaulted rooms below are left exactly as they were people didn't take to the old house they heard noises and rappings and saw things in the night and so on we all saw such things my brother met the ghost of a horrible-looking old witch quite in the orthodox dress on the witch hill above the witch lake it upset him terribly at the time, made him quite ill, nerves went all to pot, would not sleep in a room by himself after that. He made me devilish angry, sir, I can tell you. Perhaps it was Mother Allison Crake, a well known witch, who was burnt there. Likely enough, sir, it may have been the old cat you mention, an old hag. Then my nephew and I saw that phantom coach in the Abbey Walk one windy moonlight night it passed us very quickly but made a deuced row like a lifeboat carriage what was it like like a huge black box with windows in it and a queer light inside it reminded me of a great coffin ugly-looking affair very uncanny thing to meet at that time of night and in such a lonely spot it was soon gone but we heard its rumbling noise for a long time what were the horses like shadowy-looking black things like great black beetles with long thin legs and what was the driver like i asked he was a tall thin black object also like a big black lank lobster with a cocked hat on the top that's all i could see on the top of the coach was an object that looked like a gigantic tarantula spider with a head like a moving gargoyle i can't get at the real history of that mysterious old coach yet i don't believe it has anything whatever to do with the murdered prelates beaten or sharp however the coach does go about another wraith i saw at the castle of st andrews was that of james hepburn earl of bothell third husband of mary queen of scots he lies buried in the crypt of farewell church close to the catgut before his death he was a prisoner at malmo then he was sent to denmark and died in the dungeon of the state prison at draxholm i am awfully interested i said about those times and in Bothel and mary in particular odd's fish sir said chester so am i i went to fairvale to see Bothel's well-preserved body the verger took me down a trap-door near the altar and there it lies in a lidless box a very fine face with a cynical and mocking mouth he murdered Darnley, and he was treated and buried as a murderer in those bygone days. At Malmo, folks say, he was tormented by the ghosts of his mad wife, Jane Huntley, and by Darnley. He ended his days in misery, and serve him devilish well right, say I. I love and revere lovely Mary Stuart. Damn it, sir, he deserted her when she was in a fix at Carberry Hill, the curmudgeon but what of the appearances of the earl you saw met him twice at the castle no mistaking him a big knightly handsome fellow spirits can easily at times assume their earthly form and dress i recognized him at once the sneering lips and all just like his pictures too when he glided past me his teeth were chattering like a dice-box and the wind was whistling through his neck-bones i addressed him boldly by name but he melted away one sees these apparitions with one's mental eyes i saw him again leaning against the door that leads to that obriette in the sea-tower of the castle egad sir he exactly resembled the body i saw in the old crypt of farville he often appears there and at hermitage castle also no mistake sir that was hepburn the earl of bothell i must tell you some other time it's getting very late now of the ghosts i saw in my house at st andrews and of the prior or monk of pittimum i must turn into bed now i go to the service at the cathedral here early to-morrow then the tall figure of captain chester strode away and left me alone to my meditations well i suppose if i had been captain chester left alone there in those gardens i'd have seen a ghost or two with my mental eyes but instead i saw a fat waiter approaching who told me my supper awaited me end of story 8